with today being the second Sunday of the month here at AVCC, we honor the Lord or remembering the sacrifice of His Son and of the work of the cross. And to be a reminder, to bring it afresh, and I pray, my prayers, because we do this every month, I pray that it never becomes common, wearisome, that routine, but rather that it would be a time for us to focus on perhaps the the most important event that's ever happened on the face of this planet, in the universe. Jesus Christ dying on a cross that we might be saved. His death, burial, and resurrection. And today, as, as we come and and we honor the, the death of Christ, we know that, that here in the U.S. and in really probably throughout most of the world, there's a holiday on the calendar in December that many people are getting ready for, and, and it's Christmas. And, and I pray always my thoughts about this, regardless of what some people have to say about a day called Christmas, I pray that we could use the day for God's glory. I pray that we can use the time to share the truth of the incarnate Christ. To share, because even though Christ is in that name, Christmas, probably most people, or a lot of people, have, don't have a clue of Jesus. And, and so what a great time, while it's on the, the minds of so many people, to say, you know, the little line from the Charlie Brown Christmas, I love that. Well, do you know what Christmas is all about? And then to share the story, the biblical story. And I'm so thankful that Charles Schultz demanded if they were going to use his characters and do that little TV show that they leave in that portion of Scripture from Luke. That that was a requirement. If that can't be there, you're not going to tell this story. And so I'm so thankful for that. And I, and I pray that, that we can tell the true story. Let people know what Christmas is all about of Jesus coming to earth and why He came, because that's the story, isn't it? He came, and why did He come? Let, let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we do give thanks for Your grace and mercy toward us. We give thanks for Your Word of truth. And, and even now, Lord, I pray that You'd pour out Your Spirit upon this place, enlighten us, Father, more and more to the story of Christ and His incarnation. Help us, Lord, to shine that light throughout the world, and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So let, let's begin uh, in Romans 3, in Romans 3. So why did Jesus come and why the incarnation? Well, we've been in the book of Romans for a long time, and the letter is filled with the reasons for why he came, for why he came. And uh, here in Romans 3, Paul had just said that there is none righteous, no, not one, and he has just stated that all the world is guilty before God because of sin. And then we come here to Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. 
But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, is made manifest, so, so we might see it. And how was it revealed? Well, we know it was through Christ. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth. How did He set Him forth? How did He bring Him forth? Well, He brought Him forth born of a virgin, born in a manger. That's how He brought Him forth. Jesus, the one who created the earth, came to this earth that He created. I I love that lyric. We sang it this morning. To come to this earth that He created. What what a miracle. What, what What an event. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus came to this earth that He created that He might provide redemption, that He might provide righteousness and justification and be our propitiation for sin in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth, here we have that phrasing again, sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Why would He do such a thing? Well, verse 5 tells us, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the fullness of the time had come, (laughs) the, the, the completion of the period of preparation in God's timetable, In His sovereign grace and mercy, redemption had come. You see, it's when the law had fully accomplished its purpose. And what was its purpose? To show men their sin. To show them their sinfulness and their inability to live up to God's perfect standard. That's why the law was there. And God, in His perfect sovereign timing, ushered in a new era of redemption. So why did He come? To redeem those under the law. Those who could not live the perfect life to fulfill the law. And none could. None could. There is none righteous. No, not one. Uh, uh, Paul explains this in Romans 8. We go to Romans 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, born of a virgin, born in a manger, in the likeness of sinful flesh. Why? On account of sin. On account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who are born of the Spirit, born of God. See, unlike all others who were born under the law, Jesus fulfilled the law. 
Jesus living in perfect obedience satisfied the righteous requirements of the law. And it was his perfect sacrifice on the cross, giving his life, shedding his blood as a once and forever perfect sacrificial lamb. We, we sang, I don't know if you noticed, the, all the songs we sang there at the, at the end mentioned the lamb, the lamb. And that's why he came to be that perfect sacrificial lamb, providing a perfect redemption for all who come to him in faith, faith believing. Jesus, born to die, born to give his life a ransom. Let's go to Mark 10, verse 45. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's why it came. That's why it came. In Matthew 18, verse 11. Why did he come? For the Son of Man has come, why? To save that which was lost. And what was lost? That relationship between us and the Father. Uh, uh, Sin had created a great gulf, a great divide. And Jesus came uh, to bridge that great divide, the cross bridge that great divide. Sin had separated God and man, but the incarnation, the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus bridges that separation. And now we're reconciled. We we sang the, the old Christmas hymn this morning, uh, Hark the Herald, and I love that line. Um, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Jesus came to save sinners from the wrath of God, from judgment. See, God in His mercy, grace, and love sent Jesus to seek and to save those who are under judgment and wrath. Jesus came that He might go to the cross. Let's go to Hebrews first chapter, first three verses. He came that He might become that perfect once and for all time sacrifice for sins. Hebrews 1, the first three verses. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time, time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by himself, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Sat down. Brother Brian brought it out so wonderfully this morning. It is finished. It is finished. It is completed. It is done. The, the, the redemption the, uh, has been accomplished. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In 1 John 3, verse 5. 1 John 3, verse 5. And you know that He, Jesus, was manifested, became visible. He was revealed to us. Why? Why did this happen? To take away our sins. And in Him, there is no sin. The one who was perfect, never sinned. No sin ever in Christ. 
So Jesus came to be the Lamb of God, that perfect, unblemished, sacrificial sacrificial Lamb. Now John the Baptist proclaimed in John, the first chapter, verse 29. John 1, verse 29. The next day, John, this was John the Baptist, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God had revealed to John and had given John a purpose and a ministry to, to be the forerunner for the Christ, the Lamb of God that was to come. And so John proclaimed it that day. And Jesus came to be that substitute sacrificial Lamb. Not just a sacrifice, but the one final complete, forever, never-to-be-done-again sacrifice for sin. Let's go to Hebrews 10, verses 7 through 14. Hebrews 10, 7 through 14. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. Talking of covenant in verse 10. By that will, by the will of God, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Saved to the uttermost, saved Forever. And after he'd offered that one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. It is finished. See, there, there must be a payment for sin. Amen? There is a cost. There is a wage. Romans six twenty three. You know it. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I've asked this question so many times, and we all know the answer. Who has sinned? <laughs> all. All. Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God provided for himself a lamb, a perfect sacrifice for sin in Jesus Christ, that all who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And that's the gospel. And, and that's the message that I believe that we should be putting out there over these next couple of weeks. As this day, this date on the calendar has people's thoughts on this word, well, let's take that portion of that word that is Christ and tell them the story. Tell them of why Jesus came and who He is. That He came to give Himself a sacrifice for sin. And just let them know, be brave, as the Lord would give you uh, courage and, and the opportunity. Address sin. 
You brave enough to do that when you're talking to somebody? Are you brave enough to address the issue of sin? Because if that issue is not addressed, they're not going to know they need a Savior. They're not going to know that they need rescued from their sin. How could they confess if they don't know they're a sinner? How important, how important. But to do it in love, to do it in love, and as the as the Lord would lead you by His Spirit, is the gospel, the gospel. And, and every time I think of the gospel, let, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go ahead and read the first eight verses. And here's the, here's the picture of the gospel. The Apostle Paul is saying, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. Let me pause there for a minute, a little bit. Well, what do you mean, unless I believed in vain? Uh, I think, I don't know if it was last Sunday or Sunday before, we, we brought up the, the parable of the sower. Make sure your belief is not just based on stony ground. Yeah, I heard, and well, it sounded like a pretty good story. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll be a part of that, I'll do that. And that there was no spirit in, involved, that there was no confessing, there was no real regeneration. You, you walked away from that experience the same as when you came into it. You believed in vain. That's, that's what he's talking about here, a false profession. Does that happen? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, many times. By, by which also you were, you were saved if you hold fast. And the, I believe that the main evidence that you are born again is that you will hold fast, that you will hold and persevere to the end, to the end, to the end of your life. Yes, we'll have ups and downs in our life, but we will persevere, persevere in faith. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. <laughs> There's the gospel. And in the midst of, of telling someone or sharing someone that, you have to address sin. He died for sin. Well, you have to address sin, don't you? That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that He was buried and that's not the complete story. And that he, what? Rose again. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this day, though some have fallen asleep, some have died. After that he was seen by James, then all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me. This was Paul. He was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. See, the, the, the gospel, the, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection. Well, his, his life, he was born. He was born. He was born. There, there was a day, there was a time he was born. And it's a part of the gospel. It's a part of him coming to earth. And don't ever shy away from that just because the, uh, the day has been fixed by man and has done all manner of things with it. Don't let them hijack the fact 
that we have the incarnation of Christ. God, Emmanuel, God is with us. He came to earth. He, he couldn't have gone to the cross unless He had come. So regardless of what some well-meaning people may say about a day that man has fixed, let's not be shy about telling about the incarnation of Christ. Share the gospel that all who by faith might believe the gospel and be saved, saved from wrath. Man, that's, that's the gospel. That's a message that we should be putting out before a lost and dying world. Let, let's read John 3, verses 14 through 18. Because I know we read this so often, but perhaps these are these verses we read so often so it'd get burned in your brain so that you could perhaps recite this at a moment's notice as you're talking to someone. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Talking about the cross, being lifted up on a cross. Why? Why would that happen? Verse 15, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting, have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. See, he who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. It was already condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. How important is just that little phrase, do you believe? How important? How important? Can you ask someone that question if you're in the midst of, of talking about Jesus? Well, have you believed? And then if need be, kind of press in a little bit farther to see if that belief is based on saving faith. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Tell, tell, tell people what they're going to be saved from. You're going to be saved from wrath. You're going to be saved from hell. That's what you're going to be saved from. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I ask the question of, of, of everyone. Do you believe? And is your belief a saving faith belief? Believe the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Why was Jesus born? Why did the Word become flesh? So that He could become the Lamb of God. The Lamb slain for our sins. I read uh, as we sang revelation song this morning we read just a little 
couple verses from Revelation 5. Well, let's read a little bigger portion right now. Now, Revelation 5, verses 6 through 12. Revelation 5, 6 through 12. This is the... This is that that John saw. (laughs) Can you imagine this? Can you imagine what a blessing for John that the Lord would allow him to see this? And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And just let me pause there for a minute. Don't don't be confused by the imagery there. You know, the, the number seven, you know, is, is uh, signifying a completeness, a perfection. Seven completeness and perfection. So, seven horns in Scripture. The horns symbolize strength and power. Strength and power. So, so here we have perfect and complete strength and power, you see. And then seven eyes, perfect omniscience. Complete understanding and knowledge, perfect. Seven spirits of God, the fullness and perfect completeness of the Holy Spirit sent into the earth. So, so don't, don't, don't get sidetracked by the imagery there, but just know that's talking about perfection. Verse 7, Then He came, and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. (laughs) Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Can, Can we sing that? Little chorus one more time. Can you help me with it? Worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. Crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious. High and lifted up. Jesus, Son of God, the King of heaven, crucified. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. So, child of God, how were we redeemed? How were we redeemed? For you were slain and have redeemed us to God only by the blood of Jesus. 
only by the blood of Jesus. God and sinner reconciled only by the blood of Jesus. He has redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Redemption through Christ. In 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 21. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. What a glorious salvation. Ephesians 1, 7. In Him we have redemption through through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Let's go to Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. Redemption only through the blood of Christ. Only through Him. Only through Him. And so then let the cry of our heart, child of God, be this. Uh, Psalms 107, the first two verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let me pause there for just a minute. And I believe what a great time for the children of God, for the redeemed of God, to say so. What a, To me, a perfect time. Well, do you know what this Christmas is all about? Well, let me tell you the true story of Christ. You know who Christ is? Let me tell you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We've been redeemed, purchased by the blood of Christ. Why did Jesus come? <laughs> to be the Lamb of God. To be the Lamb of God, that perfect sacrifice for sin. Jesus came to be our payment for sin. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. You know this. For He, for God, made Him, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, for He made Him who knew no sin to be what? Sin for us, for me, child of God, for you that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for such a great salvation. And I pray, Lord, that You would help us to honor such a great sacrifice in in just an act of remembrance as, as Christ has asked us to do. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So, Father, help us to do that very thing. As as we would take that little piece of bread that 
that, that gives us a picture of the body of Christ that was given for us. As we would take that little cup of juice and, and it just give us a picture of the, the blood that Jesus Christ shed upon the cross. Let, let this be a reminder that we would never forget, Father. So bless the table, the, the bread and the juice this morning. Lord, and help us to, to know you and to know Christ more. And Father, should there be someone lost who perhaps even here today or that may listen to this sermon at a later time, or they're still lost, I pray that you would shine light in the darkness. I pray that you would open their eyes, that, that they may see the gospel of Christ, that they might see you in all your glory and holiness and righteousness and in your presence of seeing you, God, that, that they would see their sin and they, they would know that they are condemned apart from Christ. Lord, show them the rescue through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sin. And Lord, grant them faith that they might believe. Lord, forgive them of their sins as they would confess their sins to you. And Father, draw them close to yourself and hold them forevermore. So Father, help us to remember such a great salvation. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.